kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the John puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. A new masterpiece in fantasy terror. Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, you're watching Movie Night Extravaganza. I'm, of course, your host, Forrest Miller, and I'm here with my co-host, Jandra World. Uh, I'm your co-host now, Forresty. <laughs> Christina Oaks, who uh, streams on Twitch. I don't, I, I couldn't find like um, the name of the, I mean, is there a name for a Twitch stream or like, you know, is it just. It, it's my username. Okay. So it's just, just whatever. Yeah. And of course, uh, Ravana, who streams on the T TYT's Twitch uh, channel and has uh, reactions is the, is the name of the show and has her own Twitch stream. We haven't really had that many uh, Twitch streamers um, besides like Kenzo on here. I don't think it's kind of. Oh. A nice to, nice to infiltrate then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twitch takeover. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like Twitch is more like uh, streamer centric and YouTube is kind of more like show centric, if, it, if that makes sense. Because obviously it's not like first uh, um, a streamer's platform. It was like first just a video platform. So, it's, you know, I think I think our tools are a little less uh, a little less functional. <laughs> Twitch is definitely more engagement centric than than youtube more more audience engagement in the moment they love getting your attention <laughs> mm -hmm. so tonight we're going to be talking about wes craven's original nightmare on elm street um with you know the uncancelable um freddy krueger <laughs> <We're gonna try. laughs> the easily cancelable uh johnny depp i guess i mean <laughs> justice for johnny depp <clears throat> <laughs> If, if there was one of those two that deserved cancellation, I'd say Freddy Krueger, um, you know, far more than Johnny Depp. But you know what? Life takes the toll it does, I guess. <laughs> Nightmares are a much uh, a much better platform, I guess, than movies and, and TV to <laughs> survive in. So I have a I have a Wes Craven clip to um to kind of intro this. Um, it's about the actual like it's Wes Craven talking about the actual true story of um how both Freddy Krueger was inspired and uh, like the, the idea of kind of nightmares that end up killing you, which is based on a true story um, of, of, you know, um, immigrants from like Laos and Cambodia who had been kind of recruited a lot of times by the CIA um, during the Vietnam war. And 
ended up um, like a few of them started having these nightmares and there started being these deaths that they couldn't explain where uh, kids would go to sleep and their parents were like, oh, everything's fine after coming, you know, after the Vietnam War is over because, you know, um, coming over from Vietnam and Laos and like, like of course, you're going to have traumatic nightmares. But like some of the kids started dying and they never really put it together that these were like connected stories. So they would have one story in the newspaper one day and another story in the newspaper another day. Wes Craven saw like a bunch of them and was like, wait a second, I just started reading this like how are these not how is nobody making these connections so he decided to make this movie uh nightmare on elm street is kind of interesting i read a newspaper article in the la times about um, an emigrant a recent emigrant to the united states a young man who um had complained to his parents about severe nightmares i think they were from um, cambodia and uh, they he was assured that nightmares were you know not that unusual he shouldn't be so afraid and he started staying up um and refusing to sleep, and the family became very um, concerned, and they sought the help of a doctor. The doctor prescribed sleeping pills. The young man apparently took them, and in the end, it turned out he did not. He was taking them and putting them aside. He had a coffee pot in his room after a while to stay awake, and nobody knew quite what to do. At one point, he was downstairs watching television in the middle of the night, and he fell asleep, and his family noticed finally that he was asleep, and they brought him up to his bed whole family went to bed themselves thinking, thank God, finally he's sleeping. Heard screams an hour later, ran into his room, he was thrashing in his bed. By the time it got to him, he was dead. And uh, over the next nine months, I found two more articles like that. So I, I wrote it and uh, thought it was the best thing since sliced bread and then spent three years trying to get somebody to uh, fund it. When I was, I think, about seven years old, I was... Um, just about to fall asleep and I heard this shuffling down the sidewalk and mumbling. And I went to the went to the win window. I was in a second story apartment with, you know, living with my family in Cleveland. And there was this man that looked pretty much like Freddie ended up looking. And uh, I assume now he was probably a drunk, you know, but at that time he was just this dark man. And he stopped and he happened to look directly up into the window and right into my eyes. Now, I don't know how he knew to stop, how he knew a kid was watching, but somehow he did. And it just stopped my breath in my throat. And I like backed away from the window with him just staring at me until he couldn't see me and stood back there in the shadows and counted, you know. And I don't know what I counted to, 100 or 200 or whatever, but I didn't hear him and I thought, I, he must have gone by now, but I must, I would have heard him, but he couldn't just be standing there. And I went back and he was there and he just went, you know, like this with this big leer. And then he sort of capped himself by starting to walk down the sidewalk, still looking over his shoulder at me, and then turned the corner and walked towards the entrance of our building, which was out of my sight. But so I remember running through the house, dark house, and going to the front door and putting my ear to it and hearing the door downstairs open, you know, the door to the lobby of the building. Whereupon I woke up everybody in the house, you know, everybody in the apartment. And my brother went down with a baseball bat. And uh, by the time I had awakened everybody in the stir, I, this guy had disappeared. But that memory became the essence of Freddy. Because that guy, whoever the hell he was, enjoyed scaring the shit out of a kid. And, and uh, you know, that extrapolating that and taking that to the nth degree... I think you have the kind of mentality of older men that can send young men off to war, 
or a, a generation that always hates the music of a young generation because it's threatening to them because they are they are the ones inheriting new life you know whereas the older people are the ones inheriting old age yeah so i don't know i, I just found i found that fascinating that it's like those two different um those two different stories because i number one like you know i, I guess you can just imagine you know like some old old drunk guy just kind of standing outside of a building and like seeing a kid looking at him and the, and the guy looking back and the kid looking at him and then freaking out <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh Wes Craven's face is just so expressive like he has those giant eyes so like the way he that should. he the, the way that he does the leer is yeah. like I've watched a bunch of interviews now for the show and like he kind of does it like he does it better and better in each one that I and his voice is so like calm chill very deadpan you could tell he should have won an Oscar for a new nightmare <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i second that like <laughs> he's a he's a former uh teacher and professor that i mean that's kind of like what his original job was i mean you were saying before this that he originally wanted to be a, a porn director too yep um, he had those aspirations but um which is which is interesting that uh sean cunningham who did um friday the 13th those movies um together with west west craven they created uh last house on the left um which is you know which was like at the time like the goriest movie that anyone had come up with and apparently um he had taken a leave of absence from teaching um Wes Craven to 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 help make like, to help make that and then everybody pretty much like he said that like in, in academia that he was friends with kind of um like shunned him and they were just like what the fuck you you made this like the most graphic movie of all time like and you really wanted to still be our friend like yeah <laughs> it was like a almost like a revenge porn type of film wasn't it um yeah i mean i i haven't seen it but like it's been referenced now oh, I, one of the villains in it is named fred krueger um which is also the name of the uh, high school bully that tormented wes craven as a child yeah so i remember oh, reading yeah. about that yeah well who doesn't want to make a uh a scary movie that you're just like you call out your your high school bully or whatever and you're like listen this is you that pedophile that comes in <laughs> That's hey, he wasn't a he was a child murderer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and the remake they made. Yeah. Well, he originally wanted him to be a pedophile, which they're like, Wes, that's too much. That's <laughs> well, too much. I, I actually am kind of curious about is Disney wanted was interested in making this movie, but they wanted to take out all the scary parts. Um, so what would the movie be? Which, yeah, I, I have no clue, but it just sounds like a. <laughs> It sounds like a hoot. Like, like I just want to know what Dizzy's pitched to to Wes Craven. Going, we like your script, but here's the rewrites we want and and, and what the what they were. But uh, were they, what uh, were, the, were finger knives supposed to be then? Like, like sausages? I don't know. Like what? We we love the idea of kids falling asleep. We hate the idea of uh, kids getting murdered. So, is there some kind of middle ground that we can reach where you be like a Willy Wonka through? character? <laughs> oh God! Have to play him. <laughs> I, I wanted to do um so like as, as you saw at the beginning of, of this um this has been murder night extravaganza for the last uh three weeks right of, of shows or two weeks yeah, I don't know however long uh 17 days uh, <laughs> so long so the last 17 days has been murder night extravaganza we've been kind of tracing the history of uh slasher movies and then kind of also the history of zombie movies I guess because we did um our last episode was uh, dawn of the dead so we talked a lot about that too but I feel like you can kind of sort them into three categories. And the first one is like the Halloween and Friday the 13th 
style. Um, like if you have sex, you die, which, you know, we, we talked a lot about on the Halloween episode that we did on Tuesday. Um, the fact that that's not like a rule that John Carpenter ever thought of, or his, uh, his girlfriend that co-wrote it with him ever thought of at the time. Like they, they just wanted to make teenagers that behaved like teenagers. But, um, this movie kind of introduces a new rule, which is like, if you fall asleep, you die, which I think is a far more terrifying, um, slasher rule than like, you know, cause you can just go the whole movie and just not have sex. And, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, well, in, like if I was going to do this, like maybe I wouldn't have sex for this amount of time, but like, yeah. you can't not fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, John, Johnny Depp was a virgin when he died. <laughs> Poor guy. Cause, cause like, if there's one where you're, you're most vulnerable, that is a good that is a good a good thought to <laughs> I, I thought it was a dramatic pause <laughs> she's still holding just <laughs> man she had her get nothing on her besides being in a bathroom <laughs> you, we, you you froze for that entire that entire answer up until you froze from uh <laughs> most vulnerable Damn internet i'm telling you guys it doesn't want me to do this <laughs> But yeah, when you're at your most vulnerable, you're in sleep. So of course you're gonna get attacked. Yeah. And and that's a you know, it's a longstanding kind of idea because uh Psycho, which is the first slasher movie that we did, like, you know, um Janet Lee famously didn't take a shower ever again after uh after being in that movie because she was like, I, I realized like how vulnerable you could actually like watching her own death on screen kind of traumatized her. Um and then she was like, well, you know, like thinking about it, like how vulnerable you would be in a shower or you are in a shower. I like never wanted to shower again. Like I was kind of traumatized by my own uh, situation, which then, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis is, is, is her daughter. Mm -hmm. So then she didn't take showers as a kid, which kind of was a cool uh, through line between um, <laughs> between Psycho and Halloween. Because those are the two episodes that we had done back to back on that. Um, but yeah, so but this is like a whole new level of vulnerable because, yeah, for like 12 to 14 hours or whatever amount of time that like if you're a kid like that you're sleeping like you're you know you're completely vulnerable for like half the day <laughs> it's also like i think interesting just because and I, they touched on this a little when they were doing the sleep study something that i have intimate experience with <laughs> someone with narcolepsy but that we don't know that much about sleep like like doctors scientists really don't know that much about how it works um the psychology behind it and and dreams more specifically so it's just such a gray area in our knowledge that like including that into like the horror of it it's just like we still don't know like it, it just makes it even more like scary you know i thought yeah. at least yeah, yeah. That's what I like about the scene where Nancy's getting her like her like sleep study done and and her mom's like, what the hell are dreams? And doctor's like, we don't really know what dreams are. I'm like, this is 1984 and it's 2021. You, and they still don't really know what dreams are. Yeah. Like what causes them, why we have them. I'm like, come on, guys. We know more about outer space and inner space. <laughs> and, that's, and that's half your day. I mean, you know, or a good portion of your day, really, like eight what? hours out of your day. One third? Every day. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when you're a kid, like that's, you know, you sleep more as a kid than you do, I think, as an adult, like depending on the kid, obviously, and the uh, various uh, mental <laughs> mental illnesses that develop during that time. But, you know, I mean, presumably speaking, like um, 
but they're also I, I wanted to go back to the thing you're saying about Disney wanting this movie originally. There's kind of there's a fairy tale element to it, like a, like a big fairy tale element. But you know, um, I think in America we kind of focus on the fairy tales that are like nice, like or or at least you know um, the person's heroic in them, and not like maybe the fairy tales where like a witch devours you. Yeah, <laughs> in, in no, it's like a Grimm's fairy tale. Like like they probably were like you know after like looking at tons of Grimm's fairy tales, going I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, hey, the script for about this uh, this nightmare demon sounds like a perfect thing we could we can turn into a Disney film. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and also too, yeah. and also too, like Disney released the Black Cauldron back in '85, which was a fluck, and that was one of the darker Disney films. So it's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this nightmare thing. <laughs> yeah, which uh, oh, that movie I saw that in the theater. Yeah, first VHS I ever owned. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, so there's there's that element of it, but then there's also, you know, the stories that we get told as especially like I mean, in, in like art like in the millennial generation or before that, like Gen X, like it's kind of the you know, people will just kind of um kidnap you stories that a lot of parents tell because we have like, you know, we have news that news sensationalizes everything and makes it really seem like kids are getting kidnapped everywhere. Like I remember being a kid and my my, my mom being like, Listen, if you just talk to any strangers like that stranger could just turn around and, and pick you up and kidnap you. So you have that kind of fear um, really just built into you, I think. And this movie uh, capitalizes on like, you know, the feeling of like that kind of person, but you could do everything right and then fall asleep and get completely um, <laughs> traumatized by a, by a sleep pedophile or, you know. The, the nightmare <laughs> pedophile. <laughs> I thought like, but I don't know. After watching the movie, I just sat and thought about how like funny it was, how concerned the parents were about Freddy Krueger when they murdered him, but how little concern they seem to have now. Like even the the idea, like even if they weren't going to buy that he was a dream demon, that aside, like aside from the mom putting bars on the doors and locking it, like they didn't seem very worried about finding this murderer. Like the dad's like, oh, I'm down at the station working to, to catch this murderer. But like when anyone's trying to give him information, he's like, just shut the fuck up. Okay. Yeah. Just go back to your drunk mom and shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you guys are yeah. just seemingly, and I mean, it was a big A cab film, right? Yes, yeah. utterly useless. Yeah, which is true she's, in real life. She's screaming, and he and the her like her dad seems like, "Lady, we'll get your dad. Don't worry about it." But with the like with Nancy, she she's you know one of the first characters that is like a child of divorce in the eighties. You know, we had like this fifty suburb image of what a family was but her she was the child of divorced parents her parents really didn't have much concern about her if you really think about it so the fact that she was the strong character i'm like how the hell did these two people create that type of daughter and it's and there's this there's this uh trope i think that first comes up in in halloween which is uh the like the cop father that you know just doesn't listen to his daughter and yeah. i mean this takes it to like an extreme level um, I mean, I think it starts with Black Christmas in, in 1974, which uh, there's no cop. The cop isn't the father, but like the police are completely useless. Like they keep going to the police. And despite the fact that people are getting murdered, like the cops just can't like process like the cops just keep fucking everything up. And they're just so ridiculously um, they're so ridiculously bad at being cops that like it's like a running joke throughout the movie. 
And this guy yeah. takes it to the, to the next, next level, which is like, she's telling her dad, like, hey, this is what's happening. I even know the guy's name. And the dad's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, there's murders going on, honey. And it's like, <laughs> and he's completely, he's completely like in, in whatever, uh, like father mode. Like, oh, don't worry. Just go home. Go to sleep. I'll be there soon. But then he turns around. He's like, my daughter's fucking crazy. Just, you know, don't fucking. <laughs> Like the like the useless cop trope is definitely like a like there's like a horror there's probably like a horror film like checklist and I bet like teens having sex, uh, useless cops are probably two of the top like like off the checklist. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think these uh these lists really formulate with this era of movies. Like I, I don't think they really existed before this, but of course more than anybody else, Wes Craven is kind of obsessed with um, these rules. Cause I mean, he's the one that made scream um, or, you know, so like it, like these, these rules that kind of get put out, these tropes um, are, are, are something that I think he's extremely attuned to. So it's funny to watch his, uh, to watch his version of like a cop father, just be like, honey, there are murders going on. <laughs> I know you're crazy. Your friends keep dying. Just go home, relax. I'm going to solve these murders. Yeah. We don't have any. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does explain how he ends up being the way he is in, in Nightmare Three, though. <sighs> I, I wanted to I wanted to introduce this clip into the record, and it's uh, it's it's uh, about. Well, what are we having a trial? How? Like, yeah, no, I always I always say that because I think it's funny to be like, it's who, not. Who are we putting on trial this week? Uh, no, it's not because of a uh, a trial. It's because I'm I'm uh, listening to the Robert Caro LBJ books, so like they're like, oh, I'd like to introduce this into the Senate record. So <laughs> I've been saying that the last few weeks. It's the first time anyone's mentioned it. Um, so this is a great place to, to start this clip on. But um, this is uh, Wes Craven talking about how he picked the, the you know, the, the claw as a, as a weapon. And I think it, it really, it, it puts this movie perfectly into the, um, into the slasher chronology. At that time, it was Halloween and there was, you know, several other films that featured unusual instruments. And I was thinking, well, okay, what will it be? You know, chainsaw this or sickle or scythe or whatever. And uh, I said, well, take yourself, you know, from my academic background, I said, take yourself back to the earliest phenomenon that you can. And I said, okay, take yourself back to primal man, to, you know, to mankind when he was not equipped with shields or weapons. What, what did he confront? And it was, you know, tooth and claw. So I literally said, uh, I had read an article about how the cave bears would reach around through the crevices that early man would be hiding in and hook them out with these claws. And I said, well, that's got to be buried deeply in the subconscious, that whole idea of the claw. So I simply put that onto what I thought was the most human instrument, which was the hand. You know, the reality of real life is that uh, you have a huge spectrum of organisms all trying to rend each other open to get at their protein. <laughs> you know, it's what... Uh, I think, uh, who was it? Somebody said we're a series of tubes trying to put the other tubes in one end and excrete it out the other. I mean, that's the darkest view of, of life itself. So one of the deepest fears of, of, of any critter and certainly of human beings is being opened up, that the skin is so, so thin and it takes so very little to you know, spill us out into the world and we, our existence literally ceases at the, at the merest uh, opening. So... It, it's important in a way to in a horror film to um, to deal with that reality, and I think that's why horror films so often go down to a slashing instrument. It is because that is the primal fear. Mm. 
Also, squeezing a stuntman through spandex is pretty scary, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know. I think that's, I haven't thought about that. You know what I mean? I haven't thought about cutting anyone open lately. Um, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't thought about how, how really that is like the most primal fear is being slashed open. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you get any kind of cut and, you know, you're, you're, you're bleeding and you're bleeding and you're bleeding a lot of times. And, you know, for like a very small cut, like, you think about like if somebody takes like opens you all the way up um like the, the primal fear of, of being devoured which kind of is also the same thing as like zombies like you know like from the beginning of time like creatures eating us has been a a, a fear that we really have just in our subconscious in our most like primal level or, or the time i hallucinated i saw a dinosaur and thought it was going to ram me um <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just had visions of my gut spilling out as its horns tore through my car. Um, it was a fun well, night. I told you, I told you not to do acid while driving. <laughs> no, that was just sheer exhaustion. Um, I had, uh, I did an eight-hour workday, then went to go see a concert in Albany, and then was driving down to New Jersey after the concert. Who doesn't love? <laughs> Who doesn't love an old Albany dinosaur experience? Yes. You know, one of my first horror, because my because I watched, I became desensitized to horror films because of my pup up, my grandfather. And when I would be doing my math practice work, he would be watching Alien, Aliens, uh, was News, New Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. And one of the first memories I have of a horror film is actually Freddy Krueger. I was like seven years old. And there's this scene where in- It wasn't a nightmare. He was, he was visiting you. Yeah, well, no, nope. it was it was real. He never visited me in nightmares. It's weird. I never had a nightmare about Freddy. That's how desensitized I was. Not and yet. Was, <laughs> most of the time, he's just joking around in my dreams. It's weird. Yeah, we just hang out. Yeah, <laughs> sharpening those those knives for him. But uh, go to the manicure. Like, yeah, my, he's like, my, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't really be at your dream tonight. I, you know, I have another kid's dream that I have to get to in 15 minutes, and my schedule <laughs> is so tight lately. Yeah, <laughs> trauma dumping on you in your dream. <laughs> I don't know, but like my mom was like, "You can't be watching these films with Christina in the room," and I'm over here like, "The child puked on the mom, and then Freddie got with the claws. It was cool." <laughs> I my favorite my favorite Freddy moment in this movie is um when he has the, the stuff like spewing out of his hand and he's oh like, like he's cutting off his fingers he's like watch this yeah and, and he's got like, all the like, green goo Robert England's face when he does that is like look at this and it's yeah. like, he's like <laughs> I mean it's like he's he's a he's definitely like a comical villain but in some ways that makes it even more terrifying you know what I mean that like this um this like almost cartoon character like of a person is able to come into your dreams. And like, I, I love, I love when she sets up like the booby traps at the end and he gets, goes all home alone. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember, cause I saw home alone before this and I'm, I'm here watching it. Like this is home alone, isn't it? And my, and everyone's like, this was before home alone. I'm like, yeah. Home alone ripped this movie off. Yeah. It would be hilarious to have a, uh, a Joe Pesci, Freddy Krueger. So you have to like set up all the traps. <laughs> what is that? Over here. <laughs> Hey, hey, what's a grit? 
I, I did like how, uh, you know, he, he was so not immune to the booby traps. Like he just got comically hit in the stomach with a sledgehammer and was like, Oh, <laughs> fell on the floor for a while, but then <laughs> set on fire was like, all right, time to kill this bitch's mom. Like, like now I'm fine. I've, I've been rejuvenated. <laughs> Also, his stunt double looked, it was like 200 something pounds. So it was so obvious when Freddie was on fire that it was not Robert England. Yeah. I was like, he's expanding. What's going on? <laughs> I have to, I have to uh, grab this later on. Matthew Film Guy, who was, um, couldn't make it to the stream tonight, but uh, he, this is one of his favorite movies. He dressed up, I think it was Bar Mitzvah. Um, there's a, he did a Bar Mitzvah thing as Freddy Krueger. But he said, uh, I had to walk through backyard to my friend's house and mine late at night, the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. It was one of the most genuinely freaked out by a film I ever was. <laughs> At least it wasn't his circumcision with uh, Freddy Krueger, because that just would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> it's, it's your circumcision. <laughs> That's yeah. I, sweet, uh, fresh meat. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the most scared I've ever been by a movie was in, in my adult life and it was hereditary I drove home from the movie theater with the lights on in the car because I was misled I did not know it was a scary movie I thought it was a family film it, it kind of was there was a family involved but I as a like a 19 year old adult slept in my mom's bed that night because I was too scared to fucking sleep in my I, own uh, room. Girl, you mean do we okay, we need to get you to watch some horror some more horror films just to get you desensitized. No! <laughs> it's only gonna make it worse. I don't need yeah. any new sleep paralysis demons, okay? <laughs> I'm not enough. <laughs> I uh, I pranked my mom after watching Hereditary. And I waited for her to be in the kitchen, like cooking food. We we had just watched it like an hour or two before that, and I started going, doing that over and over again, but like Evil. in the other room, so it still would echo off. And all of a sudden, she like started, she just started cursing me out. And she, <laughs> she, she downstairs, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, <laughs> Oh god! I, I, also, quick note: I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send this to my friend because at one time she actually did a podcast interview with Robert Engel at one point, talk about the film. The if you uh, guys remember, I don't know if you do, but Freddy Krueger was the Phantom of the Opera at one point, oh, and it's the film that everyone forgets. It's a slasher phantom film. A That's my twelfth birthday movie. Yeah, so, I mean it's it's it's. It's it's basically Freddy Krueger as the Phantom of the Opera. Like he's got deformity. He he murders victims. He skins the victims. He sews the skin on his face. He removes it. Kills more victims. And Robert Englund played the Phantom in this. And it was like 1989. And my friend did an interview with him recently about it. So I'm like, hey Tammy, I'm gonna just send you this so you know that you know Robert has something to watch later. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does lots of podcast interviews, which is really interesting. Um, he should come know, on here. I yeah. you know, now that I know that, I'll, I'll <laughs> I feel like I feel like out of everybody we know, JG Michael will be like, Oh, you want to have Robert England on your podcast? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he, he would be like, doing most of the talking though, because he's quite the talker. I mean yeah. <laughs> which is great though. That means he's such a nice guy. Well, he's Perfect. also a, he's also a, a like a, a London trained actor. Like he's not yeah, which, which makes it like really fascinating. Like he's an actor that was doing a lot of and a, and a surfer, which is a cool combination, but um He's like a he's like an actor that was you know that's like well trained like knows what he's talking about is incredibly serious about acting as a as a profession and then 
gets known for playing Freddy Krueger, which is, you know, those two things like side by side are hilarious. Like, yeah, <laughs> they actually did an episode of the Goldbergs about Nightmare on Elm Street where Robert Ingham played Freddy Krueger like one last time. This was like a couple of years ago. And they like did the whole thing where Adam was terrified of Freddy Krueger. And his girlfriend at the time gives him like a magazine that tell that gets in detail about how movie horror movies are made. And he's like, "Hey, did you know that the guy who plays Freddy Krueger is just a Shakespearean trained actor? Like, he's really a nice guy." <laughs> and I'm well, like, they actually were going for a different direction uh, when they cast Freddy Krueger because the first guy they cast, they even got as far as makeup tests, and you can see pictures online of this. Um, but he was the guy who played the devil and um, Time Bandits. Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he's an older British actor. And uh, they, they, they then, um, uh, it fell through with him. And then uh, they, they got the guy who's most famous for playing Michael Myers, um, uh, Hopper, Hooper. Yeah. It's like that that big dude. Yeah. Um, Rob, the guy that was in Rob Zombies. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this was like, like, like they, tried, they, they, they tried for him to play Freddy Krueger. Um, Which is funny because on, on like the same level as, you know, um, somebody like you know mis misreading how Freddy Krueger is supposed to be played. Michael Myers. The scary thing is that he's like an average size, like you know what I mean, like uh, supernatural, but like average size guy that could keep just coming at you and coming at you and not dying. So he's graceful. Guy, like, so yeah, he's a dancer. Yeah, graceful guys are scary. <laughs> he's got he's got dancers' legs. No, but so it's funny. <laughs> like it's funny to have that guy miscast. I think um, as Michael Myers, and then to have the miscast guy. This cat, like you know, miscast as Michael Myers, looking like looked at for Freddy Krueger, and then Robert England as like a skinny, like you know, what I mean, like a skinny, uh, you know, like he was, he was kind of, I think he was muscly at the time, but he was like skinny and small. Yeah, he was like, like, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, wiry. Um, I mean, if you ever see him on V, he, he was like the skinny, uh, dweeby alien who could barely uh, speak English. I know, um, Willie, <laughs> Willie, yes, kind Willie, like you, going from that to uh. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh, David Warner. Yes, that that is absolutely who I'm talking about. Um, and his. Way, I like how I like how every time I send up a comment, you guys go between the legs. <laughs> 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 I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think you can cancel Freddy Krueger when I keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, I so I have the story of of his casting. Um. That I clipped. My man. And. Uh, so, yeah, so I'll, I'll play that now. I think it, it's relevant. I'm sort of, a, a, to put it politely, a conversationalist. I'm a jabbermouth, but uh, I sort of forced myself to shut up and let Wes do all the talking at that particular interview because I was really not correct for the part. I think they wanted a six-foot-four stuntman or something originally, and I sort of just sat there and sort of I was going to force myself to listen to Wes and not say anything and just sort of stare and let him look at the potential my face had for makeup or or for being scary or whatever. And it was so easy because Wes is such a raconteur and he was telling this great kind of strange concept he had for the original Nightmare film. And I, it was all I could do to kind of kind of go, oh, tell me more, Uncle Wes. It was like, it's just this great story that he was, that he was telling. And that, that was my first meeting with him. Wes sort of set the blueprint and the Bible uh, for the entire Elm Street series. And whenever we have strayed from that, I think the films have suffered somewhat. When we've broken Wes's rules, I think the films, or at least sequences of the films, have suffered uh, 
with Wes, I feel a little more beholding to protecting Freddie. Uh, Wes sort of knows there's a fine line with Freddie's dark sense of humor, a kind of a cruel clown, uh, as they would have it in, in, in sort of the Roman theater sense. But Wes sort of, well, I don't have to protect it with Wes. He understands where that line is. With other directors, there's a tendency to allow me to either improvise too much or to end a sequence on something jokey or humorous, even if it's black humorous and, and dark humor of Freddie and, and not to have that alternative take that might be just cruel and downright mean, which in post-production I really think is necessary because you don't really know where that balance is gonna fall until you get in there in, in editorial. And Wes sort of has that instinct right on the set. And when he's steering on the set, you kind of know which way to air in the direction of, you know, whether to go for the dark or whether to, to bring in that kind of uh, uh, dark sense of humor that, that Wes sort of blueprinted for Freddie. Because, yeah, they're comedies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it's, it's the rules of, you know, reality don't really apply um in, in nightmare on elm street because you know obviously it's a dream which is i think why he's so susceptible to like a sledgehammer you know what i mean like once you enter the dream logic and you start going by the logic of like what happens in your subconscious you can do things that i think uh really affect someone like freddy krueger a lot more than than they would affect like a, a normal um horror movie villain but at the same time he can do things that are like you know really outrageous because obviously you're dreaming and as long as you don't break like I mean, as long as you don't make it completely illogical, like there really are no limits to what he can do. Yeah, that's what I liked about uh, even like with the sequels is how the deaths became more personal and personal, like specifically the fears that a lot of the characters had. Like yeah. one character was terrified of cockroaches. One character wasn't anorexic. One character uh, had asthma. So with the first film there wasn't a whole lot of like creative like there was creativity with the death scenes don't get me wrong but they weren't so personal and specific like johnny getting sucked into a mattress that's scary and how they did with the blood and all that and tina's death you know constantly getting like tossed all over the ceiling and on the walls that's creative but those deaths didn't have anything to do with their specific fears besides getting chased by a madman with fingers with finger knives what was the name of the tina's boyfriend rod i think the yeah. that was the one death that was like distinct because he made it look like he hung himself which in that moment i was like okay that was the correct choice because if you slash him it's like how did he slash himself when he was alone in this uh you know jail cell yeah those like, parents would have still been like listen I don't know what happened, but you know, we thought he committed suicide. Like, yeah, <laughs> the parents are the worst. Yeah, he got really crazy. He somehow got a razor blade past us, and man, <laughs> woo! Yeah, don't go in there. I, I, like how, I like how not only is it though that he dies, but it's also that they're introducing how vengeful the parents are, um, and, and like this community is because really, like the central theme is that uh, you know everybody is um you know this is like a vigilante town you know what i mean like if, if the law can't punish them because the law which is funny that the law is like her her father but mm. but like if the law can't punish them we will and so when there's um when they're doing the funeral scene uh they're kind of introducing how how 
quick the parents are to kind of become judgmental vigilantes because the the priest is like his life and death attest uh, scripture's warning that he who lives by the sword shall buy but shall die by the sword but let us recall also our lord's admonition that we judge not lest we be judged i really fucked that up but <laughs> but um but like you know what i mean like even the priest is like really judgmental like you know this kid died because he's a fucked up kid and he's violent but like um also Let's remember that God said, uh, you know, don't don't judge him too harshly. But you can you can see how fast this community specifically gets to the point where they're like, listen, this kid is a is a murderer. We don't need any evidence besides finding his dead girlfriend. He's the one in, in there. Like, you know, like so I, I found that as like it, it's it's cool foreshadowing, I guess, to um when when the when the alcoholic mother is finally like, Oh, I'm the one like we're the ones that burned, you know, the original Fred Krueger alive and here here his uh here's his weapons and yeah, which yeah. which brings me to my whole point is that Freddy Krueger is innocent in this movie and in part two. Um once you get past part two, it's this is not true anymore. Um, but with the first two, which is why and the reason why you have to bring up part two is because the first victim in part two is the real killer. Um <laughs> the, the gym coach is the first victim in part two, so for those of you yep. who haven't seen it. Um, and, uh, and it's the uh, gayest horror film of all time. Yes. It's, it's like a big analogy of like being gay and trying to deal with it. And, um, yeah. I totally missed it cause I'm straight and don't understand any of this. So as somebody put, you know, there's a great video online, uh, from Matt Baum, who, who I highly recommend his channel, um, uh, who, 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 uh, posted it years ago. And I'm just like, Oh, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but you know, Listen, all the Freddy's Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, all the close-up of his crotch. Like, who would have thought? <laughs> just I missed him it. Like the, the kids oh, dancing. The, the butt shots. <laughs> oh god! Like I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, this was so different from part one. At least with part one, like there was more motivation for why Freddy did what he did. Was revenge for the fact that he that the parents completely like offed him. Now, what I wonder is, why keep the finger knives? Why keep the glove? So well, she, one glove stir, was... she wants to stir her drinks with something. Yeah, also, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trophy. Uh, um, lynchings back in the day also had, they took trophies, um, which is not talked about. They would take uh, uh, skulls, skin. That, uh, people. Uh, there's actually people in the South um, who still have Bibles with bookmarks made from people uh, who, who they lynched. So, yeah. so this isn't that, that far big of a stretch. Um, it's not talked about. So, so we don't have that, uh, uh, in, in, um, you know, in, in popular culture that much. And, and taking but, down someone who like murdered children too. So it's yeah. like, Hey, we have this as a reminder of the good that we did. Yes. But, but I, did I, they I, not think he was going to come back? <laughs> well, no, but it, it takes a psychological toll on, on the mother. And you can assume that maybe, that that moment is probably what split up her parents' marriage with with the mother. She's an alcoholic, you know. and yeah, yeah. Well, there's actually a cut scene that's actually really interesting about how um, the sibling. Uh, yeah, there was this older sister that got killed, or yeah, that that yeah. she didn't know about. Um, so it made it a little more personal about the whole thing. Um, Which they should not have cut out that scene, in my opinion, because it would have made the parents' motivation for what they did a lot, especially regarding Nancy's safety, made more sense because. The only complaint I really have about Nightmare is like, I'm like, there's just something missing to really tie everything in. And when I heard about the fact that there was a, a deleted scene, which you can watch on YouTube, it's out there. Uh, I'm like, 
the truth is out there. That was it. That was what was missing. Do your own research. Yes. <laughs> no, but I see. I don't necessarily feel like. I don't necessarily feel like anything's missing. Like I don't. I don't necessarily feel like we need to know more information. Just for the fact that, like, I, I enjoyed the fact that whether or not it's justified that the parents, um, you know, the parents went around and 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 killed, you know, Fred Krueger at the old boiler room house. Um, like whether or not that's justified you know, it still takes a psychic, like a psychic toll on somebody. So the fact that the mother is like dousing herself in, in, in liquor now and is drunk all the time and, um, you know, and, and is unable to even like function as a normal person. And, and the father is like in law enforcement, which like, is, you know, it's interesting to think like, did he get involved, uh, you know, as a cop before or after all of this happened? You know, is he like, oh, well, I have to protect my daughter, which he does a terrible job at. But, you know, still like, like all of these questions can be raised from how vague it is. Um, I think there's I also mean, the the yeah. issue where like the mom says that the cops fucked up filling out um, uh, a search warrant and that's why he got off. So then it raises like the question, was it him that did it? And then yeah. that's why he feels so impotent in this scenario. Like, yes, that's probably what it is. That's better film analysis than, <laughs> than most. I mean, it, it, it just it then it really does specifically connect the Thompsons to the whole situation. Then specifically, why he would want to target Nancy and the parents. Then, yeah, ready to solve the mystery. <laughs> and also, and also, presumably, you know, the mother taking some kind of lead role. Like now, she's kind of just like a, a far gone alcoholic, just like. Honey, look, I, I have this. This I could protect, like, but you know, presumably the courage that Nancy shows throughout this movie that's innate within her, um, you know, uh, springs from the like can spring from the fact that maybe the mother was in the lead role of of taking on Fred Krueger in some capacity, and that was inside of her, and like you know, the the drive to be that intense about it was inside of her, and maybe that's been transferred to Nancy. So you see, like, a, the shell of a person who's actually, you know, whether or not it was justified, um like gone through this whole thing and then at the end of it, it is is you know a, the, the shell of a human being drinking like you know a, like not a good mother but you can see those the roots of that i guess in, in both of them if you if you want to look for that yeah, yeah. there's also yeah. like the mother doesn't want to accept that she didn't finish the job right like mm -hmm. in her mind she did what she needed to do to keep nancy safe she took it to such an extreme level there's no possible uh, way in her mind that she didn't protect her in that moment and that Freddy Krueger could still be a risk to her daughter. She just refuses to accept that regardless of the fact that Nancy woke up with this fucking hat in her hand. <laughs> like, Yeah. And she rocking the gray hairs. <laughs> Which they, they did have an all gray wig, by the way. Um, they never used it, but they, they, uh, uh, tried it on and there's you can see photos online of uh, yeah. her rocking a whole like a full gray um, yeah. I'm glad I didn't go that route but you know, yeah props to Heather Langenkamp though I mean she really is such a great like final girl she really does such an amazing job at playing someone who was already very very strong and just had to like act out on it yeah and, and she had only done like commercials up to this point too mm-hmm and most of the final girls are either dumb blondes they get killed off right away or they're, they're weak, but end up finding their own strength. 
that's why like Nancy kind of stands out because she was all she was always pretty headstrong and curious. So that's what made my opinion, Nancy's my favorite final girl in like any of the uh nightmare films. She's also, I mean, she's the final girl, not just because, you know, I mean, starting out with in the chronology of this, I guess, is like Jamie Lee Curtis kind of finding her friends dead at the end of Halloween. Um, and and decide like deciding in, in further movies, I guess, to like you know take on um, Michael Myers, but not necessarily doing that as in in that movie as like I'm gonna you know summon my strength. The reason that I get to defeat the, the reason I get to survive is that I've defeated this um, this evil uh, within the movie itself. In this, she very quickly decides like, listen, I'm I have to be the one. Like my parents have failed me. Everything's kind of failed me. Nobody believes my story. Like they just assume like, oh, you're traumatized by this. Which, for once in a in a horror movie, like the trauma of it is definitely acknowledged, but then the trauma is treated as like, oh, listen, we can't trust anything you say after that <laughs> because yeah. you're 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 going through trauma right now. It can't like it has to be just this one thing that you're tra- like you're traumatized by. It can't be a permanent um, change. So I, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you know Freddy Krueger is is defeated in this because she takes initiative. Um, yeah. and, she, and not just because she survives till the end or she's evading something or she just uh, bullies him into non-existence yeah. <laughs> yeah. like like it's it, i'm like <laughs> if, if you try to do anything that's how that's what they did in it chapter two they just like you know what we're not gonna take this anymore we're just gonna like tell this thing that it's nothing and it'll die and i'm like just gaslight him out of existence. Right yeah. That's Dave basically Chappelle what happened. Like fading into that blue light, just like Freddy Krueger did at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger starts telling uh, trans jokes. And then everyone's like, <laughs> Freddy Krueger, you're done. I am not giving you any more energy. He's uh, like yeah. touring with like alt-right comedians talking about getting canceled. You know what's interesting is Yo, like when, <laughs> when there's if there's ever there there needs to be like one more nightmare movie for Robert England. They can CGI, they can do whatever, they can have a young stunt double. You know, there's so much that you can do now to actually replicate, like replicate that. And uh he always thought about like pushing the limit, like, you know, what if Freddie teased someone about like their autism or something like that, like, or anything that, you know, their, their depression, their anxiety, uh, their learning disability, like something that they like fear that people would constantly mock them over or something like that, or toy with someone with OCD. I'm like, Oh my God, if you were to do like a dirty, dirty, disgusting room and tease someone who likes, who has severe OCD, I'm like, that would be quite interesting. So I do wonder. Docs on the floor. Socks. <laughs> I'll just start crawling t- towards you or something like that. <laughs> oh, what's this? Socks. I knocked. I knocked over your dresser. They're like, yeah. Have Freddie turn into like a red and green tabby cat and just have him like knock stuff over and be like, ha. He turns and looks at you like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, what are you gonna do about it. You need let's- the comedy element in a nightmare film. So there we go. Let's let's also talk about the red and green because um in the beginning when we had that claw uh or not beginning, but the, the claw clip. Um, you know, another thing is that I guess that red and green, his sweater is like the hardest thing that, you, that the human eye can really see. So you get your like predator, your innate predator, uh, you know, or prey response triggered by that because all of a sudden, like, you know, it's the hardest thing for the human eye to really process. Yep. Yeah, and it, especially of all the complementary colors, like, you know, um, because, because you know, blue and orange don't do that. Purple, purple and yellow don't do that. 
Um, sorry, I'm an artist here, as you can't tell. Yeah, well, I, I like I like when you do your I like when you do your color analysis. Color yeah. theory, we love it. Yeah, no, I have a uh, you can check and my don't YouTube. We love it, folks. Colors, <laughs> color theory. But, but uh, yeah, red and green, you know, sitting next to each other, there there is this weird vibrate, like like it really does kind of vibrate in a way that uh, other complementary colors don't. So it makes perfect sense. It's also, and I'm sure this is not, you know, they didn't think of this, but it just popped into my mind. <laughs> but, you know, the two women who, the you know, Tina at the beginning and then um, throughout the film, Nancy, perceive him in a way that, like, the male characters don't. Women don't suffer from colorblindness to nearly the same extent as yeah. men do. The most common type of colorblindness uh, in men, red-green colorblindness. Yeah, no, hundred yeah. uh, percent. See, I didn't even, I didn't even think that deeply about it. Yeah, yeah you just think more Johnny Depp about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, God, my my Johnny Depp is uh, just my my primal insult sense when I'm like morality sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but there's also um, I I don't know if any of you guys have ever watched uh, Fargo the TV series, not the yes. Coen Brothers movie, where mm -hmm. at the beginning of it, um, one of the episodes. Billy Bob Thornton is uh, tormenting Tom, um, well, Tom Hanks' son. Um, Tom, you know, when Tom Hanks' son is the cop in that. And um, yeah, Colin's the, the son. I can't remember the character. Not Chet. Not, Chet. not the not... cool one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, Colin's it, the good it, actor. <laughs> we're forgetting that there's a third Hanks' son, by the way. I think his name is Chester. Well, he hasn't put out a rap, so I don't I don't perceive him. I think, I think, I think, I think we're twins. I think Chester has to go full all right. Because right. I think it would be really funny to have to have you know Colin Hanks, who's like a you know a well-respected actor, and then you know Chad Chad Hanks or whatever as the as the like white boy summer one, and then I think it'd be funny to have one that's just like a like Ben Shapiro friend or something. That's just <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting though about Johnny Depp, since that was his first movie, he actually would go to the movie theater regularly. And like do you like autograph signings, pay for people's tickets, hang out with them, and watch the movie with fans. Oh, I'm like, what the? I'm like, he. I'm like, fuck Amber Heard, man. You're ruining my man. So, so my 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 Fargo point on, on this was um one of the things that Billy Bob Thornton says in the first season of Fargo when he's uh tormenting him. He's like, did you know like the the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color? So he's tormenting him by being like, and and at the end of it, he reveals the fact that um the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color because you know when we were just like um primordially i guess running through jungles um you know predators would come in and try to jump out of the the bush and like or like you know jump out of the trees and take us so like we're we're attuned to seeing like evolutionarily um we're attuned to seeing as many shades of green like more shades of green than any anything else so it's a similar thing i think with the red and green and, and freddy krueger which it's the hardest thing for the eye to process yeah I remember seeing that sweater for the first time and thinking, that's a fashion statement right there. Did you, did you go to H&M for that sweater? Yeah. <laughs> Freddie Krueger's like, are, are you insulting my fashion sense? And starts melting, starts melting away. No, I'm getting canceled again. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the other Freddie movies. I was confused and disappointed at the end of the film i'll be honest because it yeah. felt it felt final 
when she turned her back to him and stepped outside. But then when the convertible cover came down and it was the red and green, I was like, oh, this shit's not over. No, but- there's seven. There's there's a few more sequels, but I will say that um, if the death scenes get more and more gruesome. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It, it felt like, like I, I could understand people. they were setting up a franchise, but it felt good enough that it yeah. could have ended there. Or, and if you made yeah. more films, they could Wes have hated just the ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did not like, I think with Bob and, and you might, uh, Bob Shea. Yeah. Bob Shea wanted, who was the producer and owner of New Line Cinema. The only, he, the only person who would buy it out of everybody that Wes Craven had talked to. Other than yeah. Yeah, he was like, we got to do something cool with Tacky for the ending. And Wes was like, no, I don't want that. He's like, but come on. He's like, no, I just wanted to end with, you know, when, before she opens up the door. No, we got to do something cool for the kids. And, of course, that ending and that obvious blow-up doll. <laughs> also, too, we're not forgetting the fact that Bob Shea was the leather daddy in Freddy, in Nightmare 2, Freddy's Revenge. So... He's responsible for a lot of the bad decision-making regarding the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Let's be real. No offense, Bob. <laughs> but, well, but, uh, so, yeah. The, the, also, I just... Uh, the thing is, though, the strength of uh, Wes Craven as a director, though, was just uh, how, like, dreamlike that whole ending is, too. So you can mm-hmm. uh, just write it off as well. as like, oh, this is just another dream. You know, it's, a, uh, it's, like, in- it's like Inception before Inception. You know, it's yeah. a dream within a dream, um, uh, which is, uh, you know, you, you can take it as many ways as you want, uh, which I, 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 uh, I'm i going to, you know, compliment uh, um, Wes Craven for that. So, you know, despite the fact that he had to make that ending and they, they filmed a bunch of different ones, too, if you remember. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, that's the one that kept. Um, the phrase revenge was was so literally gay in my fave. <laughs> I mean, I I think I I kind of liked the ending because so she she says I want all my friends back and I, you know I want my life back so she's kind of taking back the energy that she's given him and then gets that and then you realize it's it's still like a different kind of dream I I just I feel like no matter what she can kind of still get trapped in different layers of dreams which is something that happens to me a lot like I'll like think I woke up and be like oh thank God that dream's over and then I'm in another dream so. I, I kind of understood that as that, but I also understand that that's kind of like a, a cathartic point, I guess, to be like, I'm taking back my power. And, you know, it seems like it works in that moment. But I feel like I would be disappointed if that's the only thing that could, you know, that's like a kid's, it's like a kid's um, fairy tale, kind of. You can just say, I'm taking back my power. And then Freddy Krueger has to be like, what? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what the part three is the best. Because um, they get superpowers. Oh yeah, like they all have their own. Like they really could have went more with like with with the Dream Warrior aspect of it all. Yeah, like created an own like their own verse. But the fourth one just completely like you know like oh yeah, remember how cool that third one was? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. So, um, Christina, I clipped this. I clipped this uh, to talk to you about it. Um, Okay. This is a, a clip that I found on uh, the makeup that they did originally in the process of coming up with, with the Freddy Krueger makeup. Yeah. And I thought that you'd be a good person to talk about that with um, yeah. in terms of at least like really amazing like special effects makeup, I guess, at the time. Yeah. 
the nose and upper lip piece, um, separate cheek pieces, a forehead piece, and then the back of the head piece. I don't know, I've lost count now. But there was like there was a separate ear because it was supposed to look like his ear was burned off. So his real ear was under the appliance and the fake ear was on top. So it, there was like a lot of holes in it. So when it was backlit, you could see light through it. Um, and they were all just pre-painted. So when I got on set, it'd be easy to just blend them together with makeup around the seams. So the whole process took about, it started out taking about three and a half hours to put on which is a long time to sit in the morning. He was like, he would fall asleep sometimes. And I just wake him up when I was done. Being under all that makeup, I was sort of uh, liberated and I was able to really um, perform with quotes again, because I had just hit that point as a film actor where you really start getting into that indulgent, indulgent behavioral work. And you know, the more you watch that, that film acting, you can see a lot of stuff that we call real is just this sort of behavioral soap actor, soap opera acting. You see people taking all this time now in film acting, especially in talking head television where everybody takes their moment, as they say on Ally McBeal. And that's not how people are in real life. People talk a mile a minute. They're on their cell phones. They're overlapping. They're interrupting each other like Italians do. They're doing those parentheticals. And what Freddie did for me was he, I was able to physicalize, move differently than Robert England could. I was able to pose, you know, kind of like, you know, music videos has embraced that kind of posing kind of thing again. I was able to make myself look bigger than I am. I was able to make myself look tougher than I am. Uh, I was able to play myself older than I was when I began Freddie, certainly. Um, I, I changed my voice for the role. And every once in a while, I was able to use that clown element as you suggested, the cruel clown, kind of kind of mixing that kind of vaudeville energy with a kind of sadistic, you know, undercurrent, which was really fun to do. Mm. Yeah, so I, I think that's incredibly interesting that he's able to really, because, I mean, you can think about it almost as a, you know, some kind of shield, I guess, um, something over you that you can kind of, with, with all of the, the makeup and on top of that, like all of the special effects and everything else he's kind of hidden behind that. And you can kind of start letting yourself um, go in that sense. And Wes Craven's, you know, talked about it a lot, that he was looking for someone that could really harness that evil inside of them. Like whether or not they're like, a, you know, which he is like a nice person in, in real life, like someone that realizes there is like innately evil in all of us, like as an actor, you can harness and bring out for this character. And I think that, um, Robert England really tackled that in a way that I, it'll be hard, I think, for some actors to do. Most definitely, yeah. like, yeah. What's interesting about the makeup is that how much how different Freddie looked between movie to movie. Now, when there, I think that was Kevin Yeager that was speaking, I believe, who did most of Freddie's makeup. Uh, behind behind him was a uh, new new Nightmares Freddie look, and then the little baby Freddie puppet from a uh, Nightmare Five. But they really had to go through different levels of the makeup to really show, like, what would Freddie look like? Like, what, what could evil be produced from this? They actually tried having where you can see his teeth, but it just wouldn't, it wouldn't look right. And they would remove stuff and add stuff with each sequel to his makeup. But regardless, Robert England, it was such a good sport. Very talkative, very chill, very relaxed. At times he would fall asleep. 
but I really do think that the makeup is what makes the character, what makes Freddy. Because without that burnt skin, without that glove, without uh, the teeth even, the the chin, the nose, because Robert England's got very distinct features. I feel like he was he has the perfect face for Freddy Krueger, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And you can see his face behind, I mean, behind all of the stuff that's on top of it. Like, you can still see that he's, it's him playing Freddy Krueger. Like, like as soon as his face starts being expressive and his body movements start, start being expressive, like, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, like uh, that, that was one of the things about when uh, Jackie Lee Haley was cast as Freddy Krueger in the uh, remake, which we, we really shouldn't talk about because it's terrible. But yeah. um, one of the, the things that, that he doesn't have is that that distinct profile. Um, yeah. You know, he just looks like a, a weird shriveled fish thing. And it was um, CGI makeup, too. They didn't actually put, like, any prosthetics oh, really? to him. Yeah. With yeah. Robert England, they were able to do that because, I mean, he was such a good sport about it. But also, too, like with each movie, Freddie had a slightly different look to his makeup. So like Nightmare 3, you have you can really see Robert England's face more. And uh, Nightmare 5, he looks a little bit older and withered and tired or whatever. Uh, they had a dark circles. So that was about it. And New Nightmare, he looks like uh, almost like a completely different Freddie in a way. But yeah, it was the first was Nightmare makeup was a really good baseline to use to go off with if you're like someone who's uh like if they're if they were to have someone new but uh do freddy makeup but kevin yeager is probably like one of the greatest like special effects makeup artists in horror movie history i thought like what he was saying too about putting on the makeup being being in the full freddy costume and just being able to get into the character by virtue of looking at himself and saying like, okay, I am now Freddie, right? And I can get yeah. into that mindset. And it makes me wonder, is that lost with the uh, increasing implementation of CGI? Like if you're putting on a, a full green suit yeah. <laughs> and just standing there as a normal person on a, on a set, do you actually, is it more difficult to get into the mind of the character? Do you actually feel like you're embodying the character in that moment? Yeah. I don't know. Prob it's probably more difficult. So it'd take like a, an amazing actor to be able to just be standing there in, <laughs> in the yeah. green man. Always like there's, there's also Doug like Jones. method actors too, but still like we all yeah. know how Jared Leto can be. Yeah. Well, we also got to look at like Doug Jones, for example, who's actually done both. Um, Cause remember he wore the, uh, the suit, the, the weird green suit, as Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four 2. And um, most of his movies, he's in like uh, actual makeup, um, you know, that's including that's Star that's Trek uh, Discovery. Uh, and um, he's phenomenal. And in, in, uh, uh, okay, I don't really remember Silver Surfer. Um, I've seen the Fantastic Four movie. I can't tell you anything that <laughs> happened in it. Um, <laughs> but makeup really makes like the character, like, and Ray's got a good point, like, with all the CGI, with all of like the like putting the dots all over your face now, like like I feel like something like that is lost because the only time you really see makeup being done is like on women in film these days. And Doug Jones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Doug Jones, who also should come on the podcast. Yeah. Well, He's I mean, you have you have like the the Andy Circus kind of thing, I guess. Who you know. Um, who actually and, is good. I mean, I'm going to yeah. you know, give him credit, you know, or credits due. He, his but, I, but I mean, it's, are, are it's really kind good. of acting where, you know, it's 
you know, as Gollum, he was able to like literally put himself into freezing cold water in, in New Zealand and, and like, you know, hunch like this. And he's really, his style of um, acting and he was in like the new Planet of the Apes movies too. Like his style of acting is, yeah, it's like, you know, it's all physicality. And so when, when it comes to like the CGI kind of stuff, like it's all physicality because then all of a sudden, you know, you can transfer that, um, that vision of it, I think. Into- but, but they also got the spots on his face to kind of capture the, the facial expressions, which he is very emotive, but yeah. uh, you know, as Gollum, as Caesar. Um, so, so, I mean, there, there is, um, uh, he's kind of the exception to, to, to uh, the CG. Well, versus I, I think that, I think that it's a specific kind of acting, right? Like he could, yeah. he could probably teach his own uh, actors doing CGI class at a college and get, you know, a bunch of actors to, play that but that's closer to being kind of a stunt double in a lot of ways yeah, i think yeah it is to being like an actor which i mean in all fairness to um you know the freddy krueger character that's what they had envisioned like it's not like it's not like that style of acting i think um they were like oh well you know back then you could act like this now you can act like that they were looking for more of something like that and then all of a sudden you know robert england showed up and really blew them away yeah you know what I wonder though with all the CGI if certain movies are becoming less frightening because of the effects are not as practical like if you notice in a lot of the new alien movies the xenomorphs are all like CGI now and I'm like that's not as scary as having a like a, a seven foot tall uh African portray you know the main uh alien you know the main xenomorph or whatever like that's that was to me that actually when I was young I would watch alien with my grandfather and aliens and I was that kind of spooked me and when I was young. That beautiful Geiger costume, you know. Yeah, and that same like with 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 Nightmare on Elm Street, like with Freddy, you have that believable burnt skin, but with the remake, it's all CGI. They're like, we wanted to make him look more like a real burnt victim. I'm like, yeah, but that's still not as scary as what they did with Robert England's makeup. Yeah, well, and you definitely get into that also with uh, you know a similar genre coming up at the same subgenre coming up at the same time, which is zombie movies. Tom Savini putting like the full extent of his talents into something like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, which he considers his um, and really, I mean, inventing it as it goes along, but like inventing this genre, I guess, um, as, like with practical effects and and really like you you can watch clips and clips of him um, like interviews like what he's talking about like all the things he did like literally himself jumping through um like a glass window or or in in Dawn of the Dead or you know. Um, going to a coroner and just like asking the coroner a bunch of questions about what dead bodies look like when they're kind of, you know, decaying and turning that into like every zombie in, in you know, Day of the Dead being different. Like he turns around and he goes, this, he goes, this is my masterpiece. Like, so it's a similar thing, I think, with uh, something like this, where it's, um, you know, Robert England in, in full makeup kind of as this, you know, as Freddy Krueger um, versus like the special effects, uh, you know, and CGI stuff that we have now that, you know, depersonalizes it for sure. I also like how they did a lot of the special effects for like the death scenes in the movie. I think with Tina's they had to do like the uh make it the make like the ceiling everything was filmed like like this and on like a slightly like a like a room that was slightly like moving I think perhaps. Yes, they they built the set. They used it for both the uh uh the Tina death scene and the Johnny Depp death scene where they have the blood. That was yeah. just, um, the, the room was upside down and they're just pouring the blood out. Yeah. Um, and then the blood kind of went room. like sideways a little bit or something like that, which they're like, 
that's not cool. how it's supposed to happen, but oh well. It looked great though. It really did. Um, and, and that's also the beauty of doing these things with accidents uh, where, where you can find, um, you know, there's happy accidents in these things. Um, yeah. I switched to digital with my artwork uh, a few years ago and uh, I was uh, driving me crazy because everything was just so perfect. And uh, I switched to a different brush on the thing where it creates these happy accidents. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. very happy with that. So, so I appreciate when you see on screen that, that kind of happy accident by doing practical effects. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I also think that, um, you know, one thing is that I couldn't stop thinking about during the Johnny Depp death scene, uh, Rick and Morty, where they, where he pushes one of the Ricks into the portal blender, which number one, well, obviously there's a Freddy Krueger episode where he's like, you can run, but you can't hide bitch, which I think is <laughs> what we talk about. But also there's the, um, there's the episode where it's like the fascist episode of Rick and Morty, where, um, evil Morty becomes the president of the Citadel and, uh, they push the, they push one of the Ricks into the, um, the portal blender <laughs> and then mm -hmm. they, they, they splattered with blood and i was like the fuck did johnny depp get sent to the portal blender for the blender <laughs> the blender portal whatever <laughs> which was actually inspired by the shining oh the uh, the, the blood yeah yeah um, um but, that was where they got the idea from and kind yeah of went in a whole unique direction which, which yeah I People are always like, Red Wave is coming next uh, election cycle. And I'm like, you know what? I think about when there's a Red Wave. And I always share that gift from The Shining. <laughs> and they're like, that's not funny. I'm like, I'd rather, get have, I'd rather have Blue Wave crashing on me than all that blood. I'm sorry. I Matthew Film Guy says, Scary Terry. I love that, I love that fucking episode of... Uh... <laughs> he's like you can run but you can't hide bitch oh bitch like <laughs> now do you guys know how like robert england did like the freddy voice it was all like in the first nightmare films they didn't really do much with his voice like half of the time it's mostly his regular voice with a few little tweaks here and there but by the end of the film there were some times where he was where his voice sounded deeper now there's this thing called very speed and there's even a whole video of him talking about this where uh, they would make him sound more like deep and menacing with more bass. So he's like, well, if that slows down my voice, I need to talk faster. So instead of saying, welcome to prime time, bitch, ha ha ha, he'd be like, welcome to prime time, bitch, ah, ha 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 ha, or something mm. like that. So that when they would edit it and with the very speed, he would sound just, you know, regular deep voice and not slow bass voice. So, and they kept that with the sequels. Sometimes I forget that Robert England's voice sounds like the way it did in the first film. And, and fun fact, Ben Shapiro does the opposite thing for his show. <laughs> well, I've noticed yeah. that also with, with podcasts in general. Like, I'll listen to, I'll watch a show and it sounds normal. And then, like, you listen to it on a podcast. I don't know what the beginning of the intro is that a lot of people have on their podcast. But it's like, <laughs> and you, like, listen through their whole intro. And it's like, am I, is my app broken like what the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> yep the audio the audio version of it um one more thing that i really i mean that i really liked um in this is that the the settings change like based on the dreams so obviously when nancy's in school and she falls asleep which you know is kind of a callback to uh i think that a lot of that scene is a callback to halloween um like when she falls asleep, she's in a school, like she's in her school again, and she's walking through the halls, and then they have the, you know, the hall, like, do you have a hall pass? But like, screw you know, your pass. 
Which Which is why I love the teacher after she wakes up. It's just like, you need a hall pass. <laughs> also, too, I think that was uh, Bob Shea's uh, sister playing the teacher. Because she's known to do she's known to do movies as well. Especially for New Line Cinema. Because, I mean, she gets to work for her brother. Wow, that's, that's just nepotism all over the place. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, New Line wasn't a, uh, a film production company. They were the distributing company. At this, uh, up until uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like this is the the first movie they really produced. Um, mm -hmm. Up until then, they were distributing. They were like distributors for um, uh, John Waters. So like uh, you know all the old John Waters movies. Pink Flamingo. Uh, yep. Like yeah, because um, Nightmare on Elm Street is actually an independent horror film. Like people forget that it's an indie. Like New Line Cinema was like an indie company, but with yeah. the success of Nightmare on Elm Street, it became this big you know, big, like, you know, movie production company. I mean, I remember the first New Line Cinema movie I ever watched was Awesome Powers, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Lord of the Rings wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, the first time I ever really remember paying attention to New Line was Lord of the Rings when it was the um, <laughs> the intro and, in, 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 yeah, every one of those movies. People oh, are making yeah. Michael Myers jokes now, like about Halloween kills. They're like, he did not say groovy, baby, or shall we shag now or shall we shag later? And I'm like, wrong, Michael Myers, people. See, this, see, Andy, the other day, um, our original, uh, you know, episode art, when when we were going to do the, because we did a Halloween episode a couple days before the, the new movie comes out, which I haven't watched yet, but I, I probably need to, although I haven't heard good things. <laughs> the, okay. uh, the, um, so his episode art was just a picture of Michael Myers, like, you know, Austin Powers, Michael Myers. And he drew it and sent it and was like, Halloween. And he's like, oh, did I get the wrong Michael Myers? <laughs> <laughs> it works. I feel bad. I have a friend named Michael Myers. So I'm like, imagine the bully named Fred Krueger. <laughs> Jason's bully. And bullying the bullying that Michael Myers, like <laughs> <laughs> that that would be that would be pretty amazing. Just yeah, you know, your friend Michael Myers getting bullied by a bully named Fred Krueger. Yeah, who got bullied by Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna wrap this up in a second. I, Andy, can you send me the the Fresh Prince? Uh, oh link? yeah, a Matthew Film Guy um recommended that we we play it off with that. But um, yeah. this is my this is this is our fifth uh, movie stream in this week. Like we did, um, we, we've done we've done a lot. Tropic Thunder, Dawn yeah. of the Dead, um, Halloween, which was crazy that it, it was this week. And uh, well, I was also on Barn Blog, so I guess I include that as one of the things. But it was like you know five days of streaming <laughs> in a week, <laughs> which for you know if I was on Twitch, it would be just a normal week for me. Yeah, but yeah, um, and then you know, I also do Ben Show on Monday. So uh, after I'm done with this, it's it's going to be nothing but like creating a, a episode art. So there you have it. Um, and I just sent it to you, Forrest, if you if you saw that. Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, this has been a long week for both of us, <laughs> and I, I haven't even really done any of next week's uh, artwork for uh, the show because um, I don't remember what we're doing <laughs> but it all starts to blur together after a while because i'm also redesigning ben burgess's youtube channel look thing so 
And oh god, I gotta finish up that cover. I do book covers too, by the way. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. busy, busy. Yeah. Um uh my next one's coming out in December. Uh mm. yeah, or is it the one? No, no, November, November, November. That's right, because that's when the uh Duretti comes out. See, it's all confusing. <laughs> All right, so I won't. I won't. Um, I, I'll come back and have everyone plug their stuff and give final thoughts after playing a couple seconds of this, but um, or a couple minutes of this. But you know, this is the the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. You know, everybody's favorite Will Smith rapper <laughs> um, doing their "A Nightmare on My Street" video. Um, but yeah, we have uh, next week. We have um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Tuesday which I just watched last night and I'm, you know, after watching nightmare on Elm street where I was like, Oh, this is a fun, this is a fun movie. I actually haven't watched Texas chainsaw massacre ever. So last night I watched it and was, you know, thinking like, well, since it's the seventies, it's probably like a lot of more uh, practical effects. This might be like a more fun movie to watch. It was not. Part two is hilariously fun. Like, like give yeah. part two a chance, like watch it before we go on. So, so you can be ready on that. I don't know if I'll have time, but we're only going to be on for an hour on Tuesday, which is, for me, a, a nice break. <laughs> yeah. I love the... This is not part of... Doctor, what on earth do you think happened to that poor boy? Nurse, in all my years of medical practice, I've never seen anything quite so horrid. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy you all know me as we scared as hell. He comes to me at night after I call into bed. He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. He wears the same hat and sweater every single day. And even if it's hot outside, he wears it anyway. He's gone when I'm awake, but he shows up when I'm asleep. I can't believe that there's a nightmare on my street. remember it right and we had just gotten back off tour last night so the gang and i thought that it would be groovy if we summon up the posse and dumb brush the movie i got angie jeff got tina ready rock got some girl i've never seen in my life that was all right though because the lady was chill then we dipped to the theater set to ill bugging cold having a ball and something about Elm Street was the movie we saw. The way it started was decent, you know, nothing real fancy about this homeboy named Fred and this girl named Nancy. But word, when it was over, I said, yo, that was death. And everything seemed all right when we left. But when I got home and laid down to sleep, that began the nightmare on my street.
It was burning in my room like an oven. My bed soap was sweat, and man, I was bugging. I checked the clock, it had stopped at 12.30. It had melted, it was so darn hot, and I was thirsty. I wanted something cool to quench my thirst. I thought to myself, yo, this heat is the worst. But when I got downstairs, I noticed something was wrong. I was home all alone, but the TV was on. I thought nothing of it as I grabbed the remote. I pushed the power button, and then I almost choked when I heard this awful voice coming from behind. It said, man, I ain't even wait to see who it was. Broke outside my drawers and screamed so long, cuz. Got halfway up the block, I calmed down and stopped screaming and thought, oh, I can't. I must be gaming. I strolled back home with a grin on my grill. I figured since this is a dream, I might as well get ill. I walked in the house, the big bad fresh prince. But Freddy killed all that noise real quick. He grabbed me by my neck and said, Here's what we'll do. We got a lot of work here. Me and you, the souls of your friends, you and I will play. I said, yo, Fred, I think you got me all wrong. I ain't partners with nobody with nails that long. Look, I'll be honest, man, this team won't work. The girls won't be on you, Fred, your face is all burned. Fred got mad and his head started steaming. But I thought, what the hell, I'm only dreaming. I said, please leave, Fred, so I can get some sleep. But give me a call, and maybe we'll hang out next week. I pat him on the shoulder, said, thanks for stopping by. Then I opened up the door and said, take care, guy. He got mad, drew back his arm, and slashed my shirt. I laughed at first and thought, hold up, that hurt. It wasn't a dream, man, this guy was for real. I said, Freddy, uh, how has been an awful mistake here? No further words, and then I darted upstairs. Crashed through my door, then jumped on my bed. Pull the covers up over my head, said, oh, please do something with Fred. He jumped on my bed, but through the covers with his claws, tried to get me. But my alarm went off, and then silence. It was a whole new day, I thought. I wasn't scared of him anyway until I noticed those rips in my sheets and that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street. Way better than the Fat Boy song, let me tell you. Way better, even though even though Robert English rapping on the Fat Boy song, well, you know, it, it you know still just has like my name is Freddie and I'm here to say it. I'm just like no, 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 just stop. Oh but, but, God, that was worse than night than Freddie's dead. <laughs> but, but I just love the fact that it's got the same baseline as the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song and the yeah. hook from the score of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. put them together, and it's just like, <laughs> Nightmare on my street. 
Uh, so that Freddy like doesn't look like Freddy. It's like what the oh hell? I'm like, who is, I'm like, that looks like Billy Idol or something. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Especially really from Cyberpunk. Yeah. I don't. Well, maybe I mean Will Smith. Maybe all white people look the same. They just look, they just look like that. I don't blame him. Well, it's not. I, I don't think it's um. It's not like you know affiliated with the the movie Nightmare on Elm Street at all. Like it's, it's literally just. So I also weird. like that that when they're in the movie theater, uh, Freddy, their Freddy shows up with a date with uh Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> just in the background. I don't. I'm disappointed that they don't have uh the Jazzy Jeff thing where Freddy just throws him through a door. You know, like they had the recurring bit on Fresh Prince. Uh, this is before Fresh Prince, so you know. Yeah, they, before they, that bit. We'd have to assume that bit came from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right so jumping to final thoughts um i guess starting with christina i'm sure you'll have the most to say about this you've thought about it you recommended it let's go yeah <laughs> so here's the thing guys freddy krueger is the greatest horror movie villain ever he's got charm he's got charisma he's got personality and ladies he's single just kidding uh but i do feel like wes craven really created something special with nightmare on elm street in a world of Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, silent but lethal killers, Freddy Krueger's got the personality. He's got this, I guess, the swagger. He actually stands out. And the fact that the concept of the whole dying in your sleep thing, this is true. This is a true cancel culture. <laughs> uh, the fact that Wes Craven came up with the concept of like, what if someone killed you in your dreams? That's, you know... That's pretty genius, in my opinion. And well, of course, you know, he's tapping, into, he's tapping into that childhood fear. And yeah, I, I yeah, I do think that that makes it a more um, accurate and kind of amazing horror film than something like. I mean, I really enjoyed watching Halloween. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that, um, that that like, oh well, you have sex, you die, which is not what John Carpenter set out to do, but is kind of the lesson that. Uh, the horror the, the slasher boom that came after him kind of took that lesson as their one big thing like oh well he is saying like there's a morality to it and if you have if you have sex you die well the morality to this like you fall asleep you die is is a much more accurate like um because you know what john carpenter uh claims to have set out to do is create like a thing where it could be anybody that dies like there's no right or wrong to it which i think halloween does but the fact that sex is involved and the fact that, you know, people that had made porn kind of watched it and said, hey, guess what? We can make a movie like that with, like, lots of sex, lots of, like, women's bodies. But, you know, they're getting slashed. Um, yeah. And it will bring out, like, both that violence that men, you know, and, and, and women too. But, like, you know, the human emotions of, of violence, the human emotions of sex, like, sexuality yeah. kind of all together into that thing. Like, that's the perfect genre for it. I like the, you know, you fall asleep, you die thing. Because as a, as a child, it just taps into that, like, childhood... Um, you know, uh, the fear, I guess, the fear yeah. of, of these these really trippy and, and crazy dreams that we have. <laughs> and what's great is that they did not sec he like Wes Craven didn't set out to sexualize Nancy either as as uh, a, a, like a movie heroine, too. So Only there's that. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. But I do say like this is definitely a movie worth watching. If you have never seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, it's worth the watch for sure. Even some of the sequels are good. Except for Freddy's dead. 
All right, uh, Ray, I want you to cancel Freddy Krueger right now as your final. As your final yeah, thank you. I'm ready to cancel him. One, uh, Freddy is a pedophile murderer. I feel like you can't really get worse than that. So, Freddy <laughs> canceled uh, as an. Narco- never no. He was only just a child killer, not a pedophile. Yes, because apparently. That- Look at this background. What's he doing there between her legs in that bathtub? He had well, no you business. Her legs right now. No business you being there. Do you want to answer for the fact that her, if you look at the actual screen, you know, one leg's here, one leg's here. I, I don't know. I, I was coerced into the situation. I had no, I had no agency over this. So, you know, I and think also that, too, she just recently watched the film for the first time. I did. I um was very offended. I was very offended by the film as an narcoleptic. I thought it was ableist. I fall asleep all the time. I have no choice in that matter. But you know, even even as an narcoleptic, I don't fall asleep as much as these damn kids. Like, keep your eyes open, Johnny Depp. You fifteen minutes, you could have stayed awake and not died, but. Uh, overall, I hate horror films. I actually like this one. I thought it was good. I thought, you know, playing into making him almost an unavoidable villain because you can't stop. You know, you have to sleep at some point. Um, was Unless was you're prescribed Adderall? Adderall. Yeah, <laughs> brought to you by. Healthy and enough. <laughs> I thought it was really well done. I thought he was like a, a scary villain, but I mean, uh, obviously the film has aged, so it's not like it's not like scary in in the sense where I would have to sleep in my mom's bed after watching it. <laughs> you might have to for Nightmare Five. Oh, I will not be watching that. Don't worry, I have no intention of watching any well, more I'm, of these. I'm films. bringing you. I'm bringing you all back for you know. We're gonna have a nightmare two or nightmare two stream nightmare three. We're gonna, I'm just gonna bring you back for all. all yeah, oh, no. the gayest horror film of all time. Let's go. Well, I mean, if it's gay, I'll, I'm in. I'll watch oh, it. it is. But... <laughs> oh, it's but yeah, so great. It, it went over many people's heads whenever it came out because, like, you know, you just like at the time nobody got it. But yeah. like, yeah, like looking back, like knowing things that I know now, I'm like, oh yeah, that is gay. Oh, yeah. I totally, totally missed that. Weirdly, I sleep well every day after my legal end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I'm, I'm, I'm also prescribed legal amphetamines. That's probably why I had the, and not for narcolepsy though, for my lack of focus. I'm on trazodone, so that'll help me sleep. <laughs> Sorry, my cat was trying to chew my wires, so I had to to wrangle her a little bit. Had oh, you, have, her. you have no idea, my um. So every single one of my wires has cat bite marks on it, like my keyboard, <laughs> my like just everything that I that I've bought because um when I lived with my ex girlfriend we we had these two cats and I, it was when I started streaming for Ben and you know we had gotten them as kittens and they would just bite through and we had we had two cats and we had a bunny and the bunny and bunnies are terrible the, chewies. Well, chewies. So the bunny taught the bunny taught both cats to chew wires. <laughs> And then at one point, like the, the bunny, bunny Sanders, um, no. yeah, it was Bunny Sanders, and he, he tragically <laughs> ate cat litter one day and passed away. Um, oh. Which you know, it really, it was, it was really, really heartbreaking. That, that uh. happened. But I remember, like, I, I really think that cats are like sentient the same way that human beings are, because that day, um, the cat that was like best friends with him growing up, um, ran through every single thing and just bit wires, like as if he was saying, like, this is for you. 
And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pouring one out for my homie. Yeah. Bite, bite. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really determined to like keep all wires away from, from Audrey because you know, uh, like a, a puppy is much more destructive than, than mm-hmm. a cat can be. Um, or a bunny. Or, um, well, no, I mean, a bunny could be pretty destructive, but like, you know, I, so it's, it's like, I'm determined to keep Audrey away from wires, but she also, she bites my headphones nonstop. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she's, she's much bigger too. So she's got more chomping power. She, uh, <laughs> she grew like a, she grew a few inches and like, a, like quite a few pounds between, um, when, when I got her like three weeks ago and now like, Audrey, Oh no, I ever see I look at all your pictures, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, she's getting bigger. <laughs> I saw somebody with like a, I think what she is, is like a black and town coon hound, coon hound mixed with something else. So I saw somebody like with a, with a full grown, like actual coon hound that wasn't mixed with anything. That was this old lady pulling, pulling the dog like this, like couldn't keep up with it. And I was like, please don't grow that. Thing. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, Andy, you want to give some some final thoughts? Yeah, um, this this was a lot of fun because, like I said, Nightmare on Elm Street is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's the only movie I've ever dressed up for to go see. I dressed up as Freddy Krueger. Um, is, is Freddy somebody's the... mom to death in Texas <laughs> by placing my clawed hand on her shoulder <laughs> during a dream? Is Freddy Krueger the uh, is Freddy Krueger the the one horror movie character you've drawn twice because you drew it last year for Ben when he had um, Freddy DeBoer on. I've drawn him many times, but yes, uh, in recent But I mean for episode art, specifically. Yes, yeah, for for episode art, uh, twice now. Um, And hopefully we can do it another nine times, um, you know, to get all the sequels and remake. Hashtag 10 seasons. This show is going to last 10. (laughs) Yeah, bring me on for all the Nightmare sequels. I'm ready. Of course, this is, listen, I'm not going to have any other people on for those, mm-hmm. unless it's Robert England, and then he can come on. Yeah, really we'll have to have him on the actual panel with us, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, although sure. I do think if for two, um, if we have a gay co-host, like, that would be much, I mean, yeah. Like somebody, yeah, because like, it really, there's so much like layers that I just don't get, but, you know, I can. There's stuff that I get. Yeah, I'll do the but gay I'm, analysis. I'll, I'll yeah, watch it. Yeah. I'll watch it with a queer eye. Yeah, <laughs> we can watch it together. Movie, though, uh, but, but like, eye for the straight guy. <laughs> yeah, literally. He's like, um, there's nothing inside of me, and I just don't know what it is. And I'm like, and the actor in real life is gay too. By the way, yeah, he, he did was, not want to come out yet either. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting film. Like, like not good. But interesting. Uh, three's actually good. Like, like three might be the best. Um, and yeah. then uh, it's kind of downhill from there. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. There are wonderful parts of four or five and even Freddy's Dead. Um, I, it's a, a Freddy's Dead's terrible, but still, there's still, there are moments, you know, where, where Freddy's Dead's worth it. Uh, New Nightmare, though, um, basically is Scream before Scream even came out. So, so uh, absolutely worth uh, checking out. And um, Freddy versus Jason, everything you want in a movie called Freddy versus Jason. It's you know, it it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't misadvertise. It's 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 you know, there, there's nothing wrong with this movie at all. Um, it's not good, but it's it's everything you want in a movie like that. So, and then you know, the sequel, the remake is just completely skippable. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, just know <laughs> it exists. 
So I, I wanted to quickly before uh, before closing out, kind of put this, I guess, in the chronology of our of our as uh, as Wes Craven did with Scream, like our slasher rules, right? Like, so we started out, I think, with our first. I mean, we had our Halloween stream, which is like you know uh, the original originality of the like, if you have sex, you die rule, which obviously not on purpose, and we've gone into that, we've delved into it in detail, but like you know, it continues on with Friday the Thirteenth. It continues on with you know a lot of these. Um, less thought out, more B movie uh, slasher films. So this kind of opens us up to, um, you know, if if you fall asleep, you die, which I think uh, is the most terrifying of all of the possible iterations of this, um, because you can't stop from sleeping. And like, you know, things get number one, things already get weird if you try to stop yourself from sleeping. There's like days and days where it's like. <laughs> but the third rule I think that starts off in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which is our next stream? Hint, hint on uh, you know, on Tuesday. Tune in. Um, is the you know uh, the property rule right? Like you go into someone else's house or you invade their property and you die. So I, I think that this rule is the most um, the most unavoidable, which probably makes it the most terrifying. So I, in that chronology, I guess that's that's my final thought on this. Um, if anybody has any thoughts on that, um, all right. Well. Christina, how can we find you? Or uh, how can we how can we find you? Oh, yeah, no. we're coming for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at umchristina, twitch.tv slash umchristina as well. I stream. I try to stream like every day. Uh, I stream about politics, makeup, uh, pop culture. I also do a cosplay every now and then. I know it's October. I'm slacking. I haven't even done a cosplay yet, and I need to. So, yeah. Well, it would be really funny if you had come dressed as Freddy Krueger for this. I was, what? I, so, here's the thing. I got someone who's sending me a glove and the fedora. So, for Nightmare 2, I'm going to be ready. I borrowed my dad's when I was a kid. <laughs> All right, Ravana. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Ravana TTV. Uh, you can see me every weeknight at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time because I live uh, in civilization and I use the correct time zones. Um, <laughs> at twitch.tv slash Ravana. You can see me every Thursday at uh, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on TYT's Twitch channel for my show reactions. And you can see my daily videos for Rebel HQ on YouTube. Which uh, Anna agreed to come on at some point and do a, a movie episode, which, um, you know, I mean, working at Jacobin, I was doing the editing for weekends. So uh, recently I, I messaged her and I was like, hey, would you ever want to come on for a movie stream? I know it's not. <laughs> so I've yet to figure that out. But I mean, I, I hope that happens at some point. I hope as well. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, she came on. So I kind of started out when we were doing um, Give Them an Argument. Um, like I don't, I don't work there currently, but like when, when we were doing it, like I was doing movie streams or we were doing movie streams every single week. And uh, on Ben Burgess's birthday, we did a stream that ended up being four hours. I didn't plan it being four hours, but that's what it ended up being. We talked about The Shining for four hours with, um, so Anna hadn't seen it and came on and was talking, like gave, giving her first thoughts on it. Kale Brooks was on it. Like, so it ended up being- just Kale literally... had like 40,000 slides. Well, Kale was torturing, no, Kale was torturing me. Kale, because um, Kale was like loving the fact that he didn't have to be a producer for once, so he sent me a, an entire um, like an entire drive thing full of slides, 
and was just like, put these slides on, and kept like, he, like made me go through them one by one because he was like, the ones I'm not. And as we're going through the movie, I'm discussing the color theory of every single scene because that's the brilliance of uh, The Shining is the uh, uh, the color palettes that, that are mm -hmm. picked for every single moment and what the characters are wearing and the meanings of uh, what, what that is, uh, like with neutral colors versus uh, complementary color. It's, it's yeah. You should have Anna on for like a Stanley Kubrick, uh, like some type of like film because i remember like she always would talk about like the like his films a lot he, so like another he's film our, he's our uh, he's our avatar for the show which well, you know, we haven't done the killing about. yet uh the killers yet i i like the killers though there's so i haven't um i feel like the the one i haven't seen is uh barry linden also I've, I've never that's the one kubrick film i think i haven't seen uh that's uh i can know uh if you have a library card you can watch it for free Nice. Having Maybe. fun isn't hard when you got a library card. <laughs> oh, God. I'll, I'll send you a link later. People, people, I people have sent me the meme of, of that, but then it's like there's cocaine on the library card. <laughs> also, when it comes to his Stanley Kubrick films, Lolita is canceled. <laughs> Much like Freddy Krueger, Lolita. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna leave it here. We're gonna do uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre on. Tuesday, um, watch these two films back to back, kind of a little bit, uh, thinking, oh well, you know, seventies, seventies uh, slasher film, seventies, like you know, it probably won't be as traumatic. No, like there, there's a no, no other movie that I've watched so far for this uh, show has been quite as traumatizing as watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll talk about that with the girls from These Are Bad Movies, and of course, I'm calling the episode These Are Bad Chainsaws, which I, I liked as a. <laughs> as a title. So with that, I'm just going to say left is best.